Unmade is coming to Melbourne next week. Join us on Tuesday, November the 15th, when I'll be chairing our panel discussion on what's coming up for marketing in 2023. And what the hell happened in 2022? We have got four great speakers from the world of media agencies, Naomi Johnston, boss of Havas Media in Melbourne, from the consultancies, Nick Garrett, head of global commerce and marketing practice lead at Deloitte, representing the marketer's point of view, Andrea Dixon, regional marketing boss of DocuSign, and the man with his head in brand strategy is Richard Curtis, owner of Future Brand Australia. Is in a pub, it'll be a great chat. Then we'll have a drink and chat some more once the microphones are turned off. Open any recent post at unmade.media to find out how to get your ticket. Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, an extraordinary weekend at Twitter. The TV rights battle switches to cricket. And the ABC seems set for a major shake-up. Unmade. It's Monday, November 7, 2022. I'm Abe Beauty, and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. I can uh, see on our little video link up that you're you're once again sitting in a car to record this. I am. So if the audio quality is a bit subpar, please forgive me. Bit of a long weekend in northern Tasmania where I'm based. So we've headed south with a caravan to catch up with some family down near Hobart. Beautiful spot down here. How was your weekend? My weekend was great, thanks, Abe. Yeah, very pleasant. I I, I, I spent some of it on the road, a little trip across to uh, beautiful Evandale, uh, a couple of a couple of hours from where I am, with a with a, a little diversion inland to see what was going on in the Levin Canyon after our recent flooding there. So, uh, so yes, a thoroughly Tasmanian weekend. Now, where should we start this week? Well, there's, there's really only one story at the moment, isn't there? We'll start with Twitter. It's only a, a week since Sir Elon Musk bought it. Let's start, well, he's not really Sir, but anyway, let's start with the layoffs. What's happening? Yeah, so this was all due to happen early hours of Saturday morning, and it duly did. Um, about half of Twitter's staff globally um, were laid off. Uh, generally, they found out by email. It was a pretty brutal process pretty random process as well now i'm struggling to find anyone who's left in australia from the twitter team now they might be out there somewhere um uh the i think it was the sydney morning herald anyway one of the papers reported over the weekend that some of the sales team from twitter has survived uh locally in australia um i uh I can't confirm that at this stage, but certainly when I tweeted last night, does anyone know if anyone survived? No one was actually able to give names of people who are still with the team. So, so that that that's the local story, which doesn't surprise me too much because what seems to happen when you you get rounds of kind of global layoffs anyway with these these you know big tech companies um, is. They, they 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 tend to swing the axe far higher, harder the further people are from head office so we saw that happen with huffington post in australia we saw it happen with pandora radio in australia um you know there've been various examples where when there's time to cut costs they they they, they do it even further um so you know brutal 
arguably may be necessary given that you know twitter loses money um and then um kind of chaotic as well um to the extent that um one of the the journalists who's been following this in the US Casey Newton who writes the platformer newsletter is now reporting that some people are already being asked if they might be willing to come back as Twitter begins to realise that um, perhaps they should have thought a bit harder about who to let go and understand what their roles are. Um, so, yeah, that's just, just one part of the rolling mess. And there are also changes coming to the blue tick verification system. Yeah, again, this seems like ages ago, but it was only two or three days ago. Um, so one one of the things that uh, new owner Elon Musk um, initially rolled out, claiming it would be twenty dollars, then moved it down to eight dollars a month. Is if you if you, if you've been verified and you want to keep your blue tick, which you know effectively says this person is who they really claim they are, then you'll have to sign up for the subscription level at $8 a month. Um, and of course, there've been plenty of people who are sort of making the point, you know, someone like Stephen King, the author, probably they should be paying him to be there, not the other way around. So various people have already been, you know, announcing they're out or they won't um, sign up for it. Um, and I must admit, as a, as a proud owner, or relatively proud owner of a blue tick, I think the problem is... So toxic have been the last few days that there's a real danger that labeling yourself as someone who's paying Elon Musk money also labels yourself as a bit of a wanker. So I I can't see that I'll sign up for it, to be honest. And I'm listening to the Fear and Greed podcast this morning, and they were saying that does that then lower essentially does that then lower the validity of that if you can buy a blue tick rather than earn it do you want is that your understanding will you be able to pay for that blue tick or do you still need to earn that validation and then pay for it no you are correct you know it will be anyone who's paid the money and effectively by paying the money and having an email address demonstrates their identity in some way so i suppose it 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 goes from being a notable person in some way, um, you know, with some sort of profile to just anyone who's proved who they are. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll see. I think, you know, if it had been if it had been handled in a kind of more subtle way, you know, you you could have seen that people would begin to buy the argument, but. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just 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 as, as as one of the shots the last few days. You know, it's been another uh, it's been another negative. Actually, read a piece from um, Mark Ritson talking about if you'd like to know how to handle a pricing strategy, read the Twitter playbook and do the exact opposite. Not sure if you've seen <laughs> that piece. It was very well written. Yeah, look, I I, I I haven't seen that one, but I will look it up because um, uh, I am, as you know, a fan of Ritson's take on these things usually. And of course, you know, one of the things it has done is, um, you know, he's, uh, with all of these things, he's, he's certainly uh, demonstrated um, how to build a social media site in that he's driven uh, a bunch of users off to Mastodon. So what does all this mean for advertisers? For now, Twitter is not brand safe. Um, now it might be in the future, this might all blow over really quickly. But 
it feels like there's such risk right now for brands being there. Um, you know, you've got the issues of will it become a much less regulated and that means much less uh, safe platform because, of course, you've got this sort of waving the flag for so-called freedom of speech. But having just got rid of, you know, huge chunks of the moderation team, then it feels likely that that things will, will, will slip through and a brand might find, you know, their ad next to something unpleasant. Um, but yeah, this one, and this is an example of how fast things are moving. I, I Saturday's um, unmade email, best of the week, I left it to the last possible moment to write it because things were moving so fast and I knew it was going to be in the early hours of that morning that the um, layoffs were going to happen. And even then, within an hour of sending the email, I was just thinking, gosh, I wish I'd sent it an hour later because um, Musk opened up this whole new front where somebody and, you know, a right-wing freedom of speech warrior um sort of um, uh, tweeted Musk saying, and I'm reading the quote, you've got nearly 114 million Twitter followers. Name and shame the advertisers who are succumbing to the advertiser boycotts so we can counter boycott them. So in other words, you know, um, if you do that, then all the right wing nut jobs will, will, will come out against the advertisers. And Musk replied, thank you. A thermonuclear name and shame is exactly what will happen if this continues, which is basically him saying, I'm going to declare war on my advertisers if you don't carry on supporting us. Uh, he's not somebody who's ever run a business that's advertising supporting supported before. Uh, and I think it kind of shows. Next, the cricket rights battle begins. Um. So let's turn to the Australian Financial Review, Tim. Things seem to be moving fast in sports rights. Yeah, in fact, we can turn pretty much to any of the nine newspapers. They've all had the same drop of this one. Um, So Australian Financial Review, Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, etc. Their parent company being nine. um, And their parent company certainly seems confident that it has done a deal to extend its rights to um uh the australian open uh the 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 tennis which is kind of the big summer sport um now that suggestion is that the 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 new deal um will probably add about 40 million dollars a year onto the prize so nine got an absolute bargain back in i want to say 2017 um when it got the uh, the tennis for about 60 million a year which saved it a lot of money when it moved across from cricket not just on the costs of 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 paying for the rights but also the production costs as well um so they you know that that added something like 50 million dollars to the bottom line um so um it looks like there's a, a a renewal which take things right out to around about uh, 2030 perhaps so another long-term deal so that would see nrl locked away it would see afl locked away it would then see tennis locked away which just leaves cricket and this is the other interesting thing that we're seeing reported um, in particular det- detail in the financial review which is that um 
we're actually starting the uh, the reckoning on on cricket now. Now, um, at the moment, the cricket rights are held um, by both Foxtel Group um, for the paid rights and by Seven West Media for the free-to-air rights. Now, you've got this bizarre situation that Seven is going legal on Cricket Australia because it was unhappy with some of the rights it got, yet it would appear maybe it's in the frame for some of it. So, as the financial uh, review reports it this morning, Cricket Australia is splitting the rights into four packages for this particular set of negotiations. So you've got um, the first one is Test Cricket, and that's both um, men's and women's games. So that's the sort of multi-day format. The next format is the Australian kind of internationals. So that's both T20, so the 20 um, overs each way, and the one-day internationals, so the short form. Then the third package is Big Bash, which is kind of the um, the city-based or um, state-based version of, 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 of 2020, which kind of runs, you know, pretty much almost every night during the summer and then the fourth package women's big bash league so the idea of creating a number of different auctions that could see things go in different ways which which makes makes some sense because for instance you know it does feel to me like 10 and by paramount could be a natural home certainly for Big Bash you know when Big Bash lived there before it did well arguably did better than than it's done on seven which isn't all seven's fault because um you know there were there, there were all sorts of issues about the you know the the, the quality of the the players etc and the number of games um but you 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 could well see 10 go particularly hard for that one um now Again, the AFR is suggesting that um, nine will come in the game at the very least for test matches because, you know, for many years, nine was the home of cricket before it, it flipped over to tennis. Um, you may actually see seven come in for some elements of it, though, which is interesting, possibly the uh, the one-day games. Um, and then, of course, you've also got, Foxtel will be in the running, although it would need a free-to-air partner to, um, to to kind of bid with on 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 some of these things which are protected by the anti-siphoning rights. So um, it's um it's it's the last house left for sale on the street, really. So um yeah, we'll see uh, we'll see how that one goes, but um but it's holding up, so it's already in action. Um, so I think we'll probably see a resolution on this one, maybe even this side of Christmas. Next, all change at the ABC. Unmade. The boss of the ABC, David Anderson, seems ready to shake things up. What's happening there, Tim? Yeah, this one in the Sydney Morning Herald on the Age from Zoe Samios. Um, so reporting that David Anderson, managing director, um, is looking to um, overhaul the, the management structure of the ABC, um, particularly around how programs are commissioned. Now, um, he presented, this is according to the report in the SMH, um, to about 50 managers towards the end of last week, saying that he planned to change the structure to... Um, as the reporting says, improve processes around how content is commissioned 
and delivered um in in and and the thinking is it's going to be similar to the structure of the bbc which obviously is you know could be seen as kind of the the older more grown-up cousin of the abc um in the uk but the, the bbc moved to a sort of similar structure in 2020 with a, a chief content officer and then director positions of different genres so things are effectively um commissioned by genre um now where i guess i just find myself thinking a bit about this one is um I've written about this a number of times in in um, Unmade. One of the problems is when it comes to where the audience sits and listens to, for instance, a particular radio station uh, for or radio network, like for instance um, Radio National. This thing about having different people commissioning different genres is there's no one person in charge of the listening experience. Um, at the network level to the point where they they have sufficient influence so for me you have some really great programs on radio national and some really bad ones uh, or you know certainly kind of lazy ones and there's nobody actually in charge and say nope that's not good enough um that doesn't work for the network so whether this solves that problem I don't quite know. It's interesting. It's almost like the the, uh, the the content director at the commercial networks. You have one person that is the person responsible for, is this working? Does it go to where? Do we access it? And it kind of feels like that's what you're saying. The ABC really should be looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Look, exactly. That. And, the, and the problem is, however you slice it, um, you're... you're you know, I mean, gosh, I've been in plenty of organisations that have had restructures. There's always a flaw with the new structure as well. So, you know, there there absolutely is an argument that the same person should be responsible for science content across, you know, radio, TV, etc. Because it's an expertise and you want your journalists to be multimedia. And then it's okay, who has that seniority for making the call? Is it the person who's in charge of a platform or is it in the, the person who's in charge of a topic? So what are the major issues the ABC faces? Okay, a few. Um, one of the ones which maybe is a little bit more resolved since um, the Labour government came to power and has gone for longer funding cycles is the politics around funding. So it's always been a problem for the ABC that the government of the day um, you know, effectively is able to influence the funding cycle for the ABC. Um, so when they fall out, it, you know, it can be punished, et cetera, et cetera, which can lead to nervous managers and sometimes compromises in content as a result, um, falling audiences. And as far as I can make out, um, audiences falling faster for the ABC than they are in the commercial sector. And I'm talking about both television and I'm talking about radio. Um, and, and, you know, buried within that are demographic problems. The the ABC's audience is ageing faster than commercial TV and radios is. Um, so that's another one. And then you've got general um, discontentment, resistance, from elements of the ABC staff about the move um, of big chunks of the Sydney teams to Parramatta. So out of the kind of the main um, uh, Sydney CBD, um, you know, where um, where the ABC is at the moment. So all of those things swirling around. Um, I think um, the, the, the managing director of the ABC would have about a year and a half left now in his first term. Um, 
often, you know, the good managing directors do get offered a second term. So we'd have to see. But it's also that classic management thing, isn't it? Is you start a big project like a, a restructure, you know, at just the moment that um, they'd want you to see it through. So um, yes, it's a it's a classic management move, management move from 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 that point because you know how could they possibly not give him a um a second term in office when when probably that restructure won't quite yet be fully bedded in so that could just be me being a little bit cynical about the timings well that's it for today we'd love to hear what you think of it at letters at unmade.media that's letters at unmade.media your feedback is always appreciated and today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support from the back of a car <laughs> tell a lie from the front of a car from abe's audio that's not how we do all our work, but it is how we do this podcast. Don't forget, if you'd just, uh, like to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. See you next time. Toodle pen. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio. Unmade is coming to Melbourne next week. Join us on Tuesday, November the 15th, when I'll be chairing our panel discussion on what's coming up for marketing in 2023. And what the hell happened in 2022 is in a pub. It'll be a great chat. Then we'll have a drink and chat some more once the microphones are turned off. Open any recent post at unmade.media to find out how to get your ticket.